Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with the Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests. And like I say on every episode, we've got a great show for you today. We've got Matt coming on who's doing some great things out there. He's rising out there in the country music world. And we're excited to talk about parts of his story and talk some music. So Matt, are you here? What's going on? I'm here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's our pleasure to have you. Because yes. you know, you're you're the star today on our show. Right. Hey, absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you very, very much. I'm honored to be here. I can't wait to talk to you guys and have a good time. <laughs> so, I always like to start the show off kind of the same when it comes to artists because I know in the, this year has been a rough year for artists. So, let's get that out the way. Um, what are, how has COVID affected you, and how are, what are you doing to maneuver through it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's been tough for not only artists, but everybody, I mean, all over the world. But I honestly take a a really positive view on it for my own personal experience with it. I've, you know, I I transferred from obviously playing a lot of live gigs and solo acoustic gigs, because that's kind of what I do to my bread and butter. I play a lot of solo acoustic gigs all over the Mm -hmm. country, and a lot of those weren't able to happen. And I transitioned, just like a lot of people, to virtual concerts and things like that. And to be really candid with you, it was it was phenomenal. The, the outpouring oh, wow. support and and the people coming in and watching the shows was was pretty darn incredible. And I got mm. a lot of people saying I started doing it for I don't do it as much anymore because I'm I'm fortunate enough to be getting back to work a little bit. But um, for about four or five months, I did a virtual show every single Monday and Friday, and it became oh, wow. like a thing where if I missed oh. a day for whatever reason, people would be like, where were you? And people <laughs> kind of like, they, 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 they scheduled themselves around those times to come and watch me play music. And it was awesome. And to the point where I'm going to continue to do virtual concerts, even as we get back to work here doing normal yeah. in-person concerts. So it was really yeah. neat. You know what you should do too, and this is, I think this is going to be kind of the future, is why not go live at every show that you do now? Just yeah. set the camera up, yeah, no. and, and, and you're doing the show, and people who can't make it there can now inter- be entertained too. No, I think that's a phenomenal idea. I was actually I was actually on the internet the other day looking for a tripod for my iPhone so I could actually do that exact thing you're talking about. <laughs> set it up like right like angled on me so we can do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's been really, really fun to be able to use those platforms to do these virtual shows. And for me, it's not just playing the music. It's being able to interact with people and look at the comments yeah. and, like, in the middle of a song, like, read a comment as I'm singing a song. It just makes it more personal. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you could even – I don't know if this could work for what you do, but, you know, when you're out on the show and if you've got it set up, you could have somebody – if you can have an ear thing on one ear, maybe – somebody maybe tell you hey there's a comment that says this and then all of a sudden in front of everybody you can talk about it (laughs) oh my god you're asking you're asking me to multitask chris that is gonna be rough i don't know if i'll be able to do that uh, you know that's just like for us for the show and you know we launched our show january 3rd of this year yes and the original plan was to do 80 to 100 interviews our first year. We figured, you know what, if we pulled off 100 interviews our first year, I think that we would yeah. be ahead of the crowd, that we that, that there's not too many hosts that can say their very first year of knowing nothing, 
did a hundred interviews. So we thought if yeah. we did that, we would be ahead of the game. And then COVID hit, and I told Sam as I'm as I'm watching things get shut down, I was like, oh my God, there may be opportunity here for us. I told Sandy, yeah. this could be our year to shine. We just need to go all out, see what we can do, and we can look back in 2021 to see if it was a good plan. And we did that. And because of that, instead of being 100 interviews, we're almost at 240 now, and, I, and we're probably going to hit over 300 this year. That is absolutely incredible. You, I mean, you are a perfect example of, of – a, a couple of people who have taken something that has obviously been very negative and turned it into something positive. And I've heard a lot of stories from people who have been able to do that. And obviously COVID has been really rough on everybody. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, a lot of negativity has come from it, but I also think that a lot of positivity and innovation has come from it as well. And I think as yeah. not just in music or podcasts or anything, but in every step, figured out how to make things work. And it's really, yeah. it's created an environment for people to get creative. And for you guys, it, it has been able, you, you guys have been able to be successful in a time where a lot of people were, you know, it was kind of a dire situation. So I commend you guys for that. It's incredible. And I thank you guys for letting me know be a part of we appreciate that. So, so what are some hobbies you like to do outside of music? Golf. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm such a, I am such a golf nerd. No, I, I love a lot of things, but, but truly, one of my favorite hobbies is to golf. I love everything about it. I love. I'm in a golf fantasy league. I've got like a group me with all my golfing buddies. We talk a bunch of trash. Um, I love mm-hmm. playing golf. Every so. Golf is a big one. I absolutely love it. I, I grew up around sports. Like, I didn't grow up thinking I wanted to be a musician. I played I played baseball in high school, and, and I played baseball at the University of Arizona in college, and so I wanted to be a baseball player. And music mm-hmm. just kind of I – was, I, was, I was always the guy that had the guitar and could sing a little bit and have fun at parties, but I never thought I was going to do that as a career. So I, <laughs> I, I knew I, I wanted to be a – you know, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And so sports, oh, wow. even to this day – Still, it, it's still a big part of my life. I absolutely love everything about athletics. So, um, I think everything that has to do with sports. But at this point in time in my life, golf. I, I have. I love golf. It's one of my. It is my favorite hobby. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So tell everybody a little bit of who you are, where you're originally from, and kind of your backstory that led you to this point. Oh man, that's gonna be a long answer. So I'll try to. I'll try to shorten it as much as possible. My name is yeah, just, just just make it short a little bit, you know, so we can yeah, get yeah. moving on. But but yeah, uh, we we we, we want to hear because the, the goal of the show is to get behind mm-hmm. the person, not just the music. Yeah. Totally. So I'll give you the the cliff notes version. So my name is Matt <laughs> Turner. I'm from I'm from Southern California. I'm in a town called I'm from a town called Tustin, and Tustin is in the smack dab middle of Orange County, California. And it's like, I always say it's the one city in Orange County that nobody's ever heard of, but it's right in the middle. It's right next to, you know, like the Newport Beach and Laguna Beach and Anaheim where Disneyland is and all that stuff. So I grew up in in Southern California and I went to school here. I I then went to college in Arizona. And then after I graduated from college, about three years after that, I decided to pursue a music career, and I, I grew up around country music, even though I'm from Southern California. People always think, like, how the heck did you grow up around country music in Southern California? People don't realize how big of a country music is, is really yeah. big out here. So, mm-hmm. anyway, 
in 2013, 2000, very, very beginning of 2014, I packed my truck up and moved to Nashville. And I oh, wow. have, I have, I've done, you know, I've done music as a career ever since. And I still live in Nashville to this mm. day, right, right downtown with my wife. So, um, oh, wow. that's the, that's the cliff notes version. There are, <laughs> yeah. there are a ton of details in there, but that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the best. I love that though. Um, so as, as you know, you know, so so before I go on to this part, how has Nashville treated you so far? Oh, like a million bucks. I have, I love that city. Because <laughs> we're we're terrific. moving there next year. Yeah. Are you really? Where, where are you guys now? <clears throat> right now, Savannah, Georgia. Oh, cool! You guys are out in Savannah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, no, you so, guys will absolutely love Nashville, especially if you love country music or just live music in general. It's, mm-hmm. it's well, yeah. the place to be. It's the absolute place to be. But even as a guy who doesn't, I don't have a southern bone in my body, and I don't even pretend to have a southern bone in my body. <laughs> but moving moving yeah. to Nashville as as somebody who's not from the south, I mean, there's obviously a, a huge southern culture there. They're smack dab in the middle of it. They've been so welcoming and open and. Um, I, I think the culture down there is, is just phenomenal. And obviously loving um, live music, you, there's no better place on the planet, I think. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, so as you know, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, they see um, the glory of like a Blake Shelton, a Miranda, a Carrie, but they don't see the grind the sacrifice, yeah. the tears, the struggles <clears throat> that it takes not yeah. just to get there, but to even have a career in music, even at a small level. And 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 I like to talk about that because nobody else does. Nobody really talks about this side of it. And I always bring this up because I think it's one of the most important things that we have to talk about because people need to know the rawness that, that happens. Yeah. And I'm going to tell a quick story to help guide us where I want this to go. But back in 2014 – we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Steel Girls, and at that time, they were full-time with music. <clears throat> and I remember I asked Allison, what advice would she give an up-and-coming artist? And I'll never forget her answer. She said, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, if you can see yourself doing anything else, then go do that and keep music as a hobby. Because she said, the moment you want it to be a career – she goes, you no longer own your life. Everybody else owns a piece of it. She goes, your friends and family, will, they never understand because they invite you to weddings, to cookouts, to holidays, to weekends. But you know, at the beginning, you're grinding it out. You can't say no to, to gigs, and you definitely can't cancel a gig once once start because there's people on the line then. Um, so so yeah. they don't never understand. Then on top of that – your family has to sacrifice right along with you. It's not just the artist, but it's the pe- people around them has to sacrifice. Then if that wasn't enough, there's many days where you just don't feel good, you're miserable, whatever, but you've got to gig that night. You've got to get up there and smile like you're having the best time ever, even if you're going through some pain. She says, but sure. if your heart will not allow you to do anything, if you cannot see yourself doing anything else outside of music, then go all in. Because that's the only way that those kind of sacrifices could ever be worth it. What do you think of what she said? And let's talk about that side of it. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a lot to unpack in what she said. I think that's true. I think that if you are, if you want to do music as a career, and, I, and 
I'm only going to speak from from my experience, obviously, because that's all I know. Yeah. But I completely I completely agree with her in the fact that if you want to make this a career, you have to go all in. Um, now there's 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 a, there's another side of that coin. There's a lot of times where you're not making any money, and you have to make money in order to live. So like, there's a lot and of and of course that's not and off. of course she's not talking about you know that you quit your job. I think she's talking mentally. You, you you can't have to you can't say that I'm gonna want I want this career, but then you're be trying to become an, a real estate agent type. You know, you're you're no, trying no, 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 to no. have another career. I think that I think that's where she's ta- really coming from. Is you have to do what it takes to make ends meet, but when you're not yeah. there, you're focused. Yeah, you can't dip your toe in the I want to be a musician pool. It's like if you if you're like I kind of want to be I kind of want to be a nurse but I also would love to be a country music star you can't be going to nursing school and then and then also trying to become a country music star you you got to you have to choose 100 percent you have to you have yeah. to choose yeah you have to choose and I'm sure there's there might be an exception to that but probably yeah. honestly, probably not if you're yeah. gonna be ultra successful you have to go 100 percent all in. And she's 100% correct. There's more than just you sacrificing. Your family sacrifices. If you get a call, you're like, hey, we want you to open for so-and-so in Billings, Montana tomorrow because someone someone was out, and that's a huge opportunity for you, and you're in Nashville. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to drop everything and yeah. go to Billings, Montana and open for that. And that that's not just you who sacrifices that. You, you might have had – you know, like she said, you might have had plans to be having a backyard barbecue with your family that day, and you're like, well, sorry, I got, I got this huge opportunity for me that just popped up. And that kind of mm. stuff happens. I think I think that is, is something that definitely you sacrifice <clears throat> personal stuff in your life for that to go and do mm-hmm. those things because a lot of stuff like that really does happen last minute. Yeah. It's not always, hey, we're going to book <laughs> something out four months in advance, and you're you're good to go. Like, a lot of things happen on a week. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to, to pack up and go and do them. Um, yeah. So right. I definitely, I definitely agree with her that you, you can't dip your toe in, in the pool. you gotta, you got to fully dive in and, uh, and go for it. And I always like to talk about this side of it because, again, I think it's so important, not just for the fans to really get to know what really goes behind, behind the scenes, but also for other artists who are thinking about taking that leap because they need to know what they're in for. And it's not, you know, it's not, you know, you see Blake Shelton on the voice and all that. And you're like, boy, he is just living the life. But you know, some of these artists, they don't realize, even though they're big, their schedules are so booked that you can't breathe. Some you you can't, can't breathe. And you've got to be ready for that. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely in country music. Anything where you're where you're super famous like that and 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 very successful, um, I think you hit it on the head. I think you you get tugged in a hundred different directions. And I feel like, like, what did Ed Sheeran do? Ed Sheeran got rid of his he got rid of his iPhone and bought a flip phone. He got exact music. I am done with having 150 text messages when I wake up every morning. I don't look at half of them. And the ones I do look at, I just don't want to even answer. So I'm going to give a flip phone and have 15 people have my number. And when you're that big, you obviously have an agent and a manager, and they can deal with all that stuff and, and schedule you. And i got to be honest with you, yeah. if, I was a, if I was Blake Shelton, I might do mm-hmm. the same thing. 
because you can't you don't have a life at that point. It's just you're yeah. constantly on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm nowhere close to being at Blake Shelton's level, and I'm constantly on my phone. So you can so, imagine at that level. Yeah, yeah. So I think I probably right. would do that. I'd get that like old Nokia brick back from like 2004 with that snake mm. game on it. <laughs> just have that, <laughs> and just use that as my phone, and have my loved ones in there, and then have my have my manager book it. <laughs> I love that. But, so, but, but yeah. I don't want to. I also don't want that to come off ungrateful because if if I was yeah. able to get to the level of Lake Shelton or yeah. Sharon, I would I would take those quote unquote problems in a heartbeat. Exactly, and and, yeah. I, and and of course I don't bring this side up so that people can say, oh, you know, they really don't want to do this. No, I bring this side up so people can sh- say, oh wow, they go through a lot just so that I can benefit. Yeah. Because at the beginning, not the just, audience benefits. You know, the the artists ain't benefiting a whole lot monetarily. Now, granted, there are people that will email you and say, oh, you changed my life. You know, of course, you're benefiting in that way. But money-wise, at the beginning, you are not benefiting at all. <laughs> no, that's that's 100 percent true. I, in my personal in my personal experience, the way mm. I have been able to do it is I, I've been able to go across the country and play these solo acoustic gigs and you 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 definitely have to have to write the right songs and you have to have the right timing for this to hit. Mm-hmm. even when they do hit I, I truly believe this i think the most important thing out of anything in music for me is the people that i have met all over the country like just a prime example, the four cities that come to my mind would be obviously down here in Southern California because that's where I'm from, so Orange County area. The St. Louis area, Nashville, and Birmingham, Alabama are four places that I can go to tomorrow and play a gig, sell tickets for a Matt Kerner concert. And the reason I can do that is because of the people I've met doing cover gigs in honky talks and bars in all of those cities. And you meet people along the way and develop a relationship and they become instant fans of yours because they feel like not not they feel like they know you, they know a part of you. It's not just your music. They get to know Matt Kerner yeah. or anybody else as mm-hmm. a human, and you build a fan base organically. And yeah. yet, would I love to have a number one song on the radio and be able to go tour the world? Of course I would. <laughs> but the grassroots <laughs> growing an organic fan base and friendships like that has been the most fulfilling thing for me out of music by far. Yeah, and I love that. You know, we really hit the sacrifice side hard, and I love that. I always love that when we get really heavy about that side because I think, again, that's so important. But now let's flip the script and go the other way. Um, When you look back on your career um, so far, what are some moments where you're like, wow, I got to do that, or wow, that happened? Uh, the first one that comes to mind, I got to I got to open up for um, Luke Combs in Wichita, Kansas. Oh well. In front of, we played at a we played at a place called um, Club Rodeo, and it huh. was my my cousin who his name's Josh Wilson. Loved the guy to death. Club Rodeo. He lives out in Kansas. He called him and said, "Hey, 
my cousin plays music and he sent them my stuff and they emailed them back and were like, Hey, Luke Combs is coming through town. Does your cousin want to open for Luke Combs? And I was, it was the exact same thing. We were just talking about the whole Billings, Montana thing that I came up with. Like it was a week later and I had plans already. And I was like, I'm dropping all those plans and I'm going and opening for Luke Combs. And <laughs> so that was, that was wow. an incredible moment. We got to play on a stage in front of, I think it was like 2,500 people had like a runway so I was like running in and out of the crowd it was it was it was yeah. awesome so that was a really cool moment um I've ran into I've ran into a bunch of different people um in Nashville like that I'm obviously a massive country music fan and um being able to run into different different artists and, and mega stars in Nashville like you know at the grocery store and at bars and stuff <laughs> there's like normal people and they just hang out a great example so a great example of that mm-hmm. was Back in 2013, so this is seven years ago, I hadn't even moved to Nashville yet. This was the first time I'd ever been in Nashville. Um, I went there on a trip, and I was at the Bridge Bar in downtown Nashville. It's attached to the Renaissance Hotel, and it was during CRS week. So it was in February. It's freezing cold, and I was I was in the Bridge Bar, and Luke Bryan was in there, and I saw him at the bar, and I walked up to him, and uh, I bought him a beer. He was super nice. We had a conversation for 15 minutes, and that was it. And I thought that was super cool. Fast forward five days, I'm on a Southwest flight from Nashville to Los Angeles. I'm flying back home, and uh, we land in L.A., and these guys start taking guitars down from the rafters, and they say Luke Bryan mm-hmm. on in duct tape on. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And Two rows in front of me, up pops Luke Bryan on a southwest flight getting off the plane. He turns around and sees me and remembered my name. He was like, Matt, oh, wow. good to see you. And it was, just, it, was a moment, yeah. it was a moment I'll never forget. And that was a was surreal already, moment. Yeah, huge Luke Bryan fan, but that made me a Luke Bryan fan forever because remembering people's names, especially somebody like, you know, somebody like me who you met five days ago, he meets 100 people a day. And he remembered my yeah. name. So that was a really incredible, incredible moment, too. I love that. <clears throat> and now we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to play your song, Better Days. Really great song. And we're going to talk cool. about that. How does that sound? Sounds like a plan. All right, hang on the line. Hey, everyone. We have partnered with another great podcast called The Sports Guys Podcast. You can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. The Sports Guys Podcast is a sports and country music podcast hosted by Brandon, Nick, and Andy. They cover sports on a state, regional, and national level with many of the biggest names in the sports industry. The Sports Guys also host a Backstage Pass music segment where they go behind the scenes and talk with some of the biggest artists in country music, everything from Texas country, Americana, as well as Nashville artists. The Backstage Pass provides a more in-depth look at the musicians' rise in music as they talk about their career and tell stories about their music to share with their fans. Many of the same guests will be appearing on our show as well. Again, you can find them over at thesportsguyspodcast.com. It's a grand slam of sports and music. Please go over and check them out. Everybody's in such a rush. How we all supposed to keep up? I don't know where to do, but right 
Yes, love it. Great song. So tell us the story behind the song and how that came yeah. together. Well, feel good too, man. Thank you guys for playing it. That's really cool. Um, so, the, yeah, okay. So a lot of people, a lot of people think the song is about uh, something else that happened in my life that I'll touch on in a minute. But the song is truly yeah. about moving to Nashville. So I, oh, well. I. Uh, like I said, I grew up in Southern California. I graduated college in 2010, and for about three years, I worked odd jobs, and I just knew in my heart of hearts it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so the, mm-hmm. the, the, the song really stemmed out of I knew I was going to be moving to Nashville. I was going to be pursuing a dream. And the idea of, you know, being stuck in a rut, working a job that you don't really want to be working, but you're just doing it for a paycheck, and then saying – I'm done with that. I'm going to, I'm going to move on to better days. I'm going to go live my life the way I want to live my life and pursue a dream. 
And I had the opportunity to do that, and that's where Better Days came from. It's just the idea of I'm, I'm living through a time where I'm just kind of, you know, going through the motions, and I'm done doing that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on to Better Days, and I'm going to – for me, it was moving to Nashville and, you know, packing oh, wow. my truck up, not, not knowing a soul in Nashville, and I drove across the country, and, and I'm still there. And those, those were the Better Days for me. And um, what a lot of people think that song is about is I, I actually went through, I went through a bout uh, of cancer back in 2016. And so oh, wow. I actually, I wrote, I wrote that song in 2013. So before that even happened, but that song really, really yeah. resonates with, with Could that, mean that too. That exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's taken on. It's taken on, at least for me, for a lot of other people, it's just taken on the meaning of me moving on to better days after I fought cancer. But for me, it's kind of come, come to a double meaning of that as well, because oh, wow. that was, a, uh, that was a, obviously a rough period in my life that um, turned into, I'm, I'm, I'm good now, but it turned into a lot of, a lot of positive things happened from that as well, but as you can imagine, it was a, it was a pretty tough time. Yeah, uh, I love that and love, love your positivity. Like, you know, Sandy at age 19 many years ago went through cancer herself. Yes, no I had Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had uh, eight Ooh. months of chemo treatments. And they told me oh back God. then I would never have any kids, and we have two kids today, a boy and a girl. Oh, my God, what a blessing. Two huge blessings. That's, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you're okay now? Uh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, the cancer never reoccurred, so good to go. So, so blessed to have been healed. <clears throat> and fact, they told her, and they really only gave her like, and they only gave her like two years to live because she were, she knew that if there was any hope for kids, she could not, she could not do the radiation side of it. So she yeah. turned radiation wow. down. Because they told her, you know, we got all the cancer, and she was like, "Well, why do I need radiation?" So she turned it down, and they like, "Well, you'll probably not make it two years." And this was over twenty years ago now. Yeah, twenty years go. later what now. A, what an amazing, <laughs> amazing story! Good, God, that is incredible. God bless you. Oh, thank you. Um, so, as you know, when people see um, the artists. They don't see like the PR people, the managers, the producers, and to me, to be honest, I don't think that they get enough love out there at all. So I want to make sure that we change that at least on our show. So if you want to take a couple minutes to to tell us about the team that helps you be who you are. Man, well, uh, immediately for for this this particular interview right here, Vanessa, Vanessa got me got me in touch with you guys and, and made this happen. So we got to give Vanessa a huge amount of credit. Um, she's, she also manages the Swan brothers and, and, and they've been helping me throughout. Um, they helped me with my last three, three songs that I recorded and, and have developed a good friendship with those guys. So Vanessa no for sure at first publishing, but um, Black Sheep Entertainment, uh, Susan Hobbs and Steve Brown and, um, Michael Heckler and Eric Halbig, that whole team over there at Black Sheep has, has taken a chance on me, and they have mm. they have gotten me so many different opportunities, and they're, they're growing my career as we speak. I absolutely love those guys for everything that they do for me. Um, but like you say, it takes an absolute village, and no small part of that village, a huge part of that village is, is my immediate family, my mom, mm-hmm. dad, my wife, my sister, 
Um, it go, it all goes back to what you were talking about in the beginning of sacrificing. I mean, yeah. I moved 2,000 miles away from my family. That's a huge sacrifice, not only for me, but for also, you know, my, my parents and my sister. And my wife moved – she's now my wife, but at the time she was my girlfriend. So, so tell us that story. Um, we read a little bit about the story. Yes. So tell us the story of how you met your wife. Yes. Oh, yeah, I, I wonder what you read. So, so really the uh, – the story is we went to high school together, technically, mm-hmm. and um, so we mm-hmm. knew who each other were, but we went to a high school with 3,800 kids. It was a huge high school. Oh, wow. So we didn't really run in the same same circle of friends, and if I'm being completely honest, what, she's still way out of my league, but in high school, she was <laughs> way out of my league. Like, not, not, even, not, like, not even a chance. Not even a chance. So anyway, we, we didn't really talk in high school, and we graduated in 2006. And then fast forward to 2015, so nine years later, she was uh, coming on a girl's trip out to Nashville, and one of her friends actually contacted me and said, hey, we're going to be in Nashville. Come out and get some drinks with us. And she told me Lindsay was going to be there, and I was like, yeah, I'll be there. No problem. <laughs> so we, uh, we got together, and um, we, we hit it off that night. We started dating back in 2015. In like December 2015, oh, wow. January 2016, and then that's actually when cancer hit. Cancer hit in Mar- March. 3rd. Oh, wow. so like two, months, wow. two, two and a half months after we started started dating, I got diagnosed with cancer, and my saint of a wife decided that she was gonna stay with me and help me get through that entire thing. And so, needless to say, wow. that that really solidified. Um, our relationship, but it was, uh, it was incredible. You know, that's like with our story a little bit, you know, we, Sandy and I, we met back in 2002, um, on, uh, Christian singles website. Um, so we, you know, we met online when it was taboo in 2002, as I always say, because nobody did back then. They do now, but back then Mm -hmm. we met on, you know, February 2nd of 02. We talked on the phone for the first time, February 4th. We we set a wedding date February 18th, and we met in person March 4th. So we were we were meeting in person to see who we were going to marry. We just knew oh, that God was here, <laughs> and and we did wow. get married that day, which was October 5th of 2002, which we just crossed our 18th wedding anniversary. But then you know six months after we married was was when the pain came because my mom passed away, and I went through 19 years of addictions. And although I wasn't drinking a lot during this phase, because I was one of them alcoholics that if you if you um if life was going good, I didn't drink as much. If life wasn't, yeah. <laughs> I drank a lot. So so when yeah. we first married, I really didn't drink a lot because life was great. And then my mom passes away, and then <clears throat> the next four years was really hell on my wife. But you know, she stood by me. She she raised. I mean, she, she never. Um, put me down. She never nagged me. She loved me through the addictions. And then it was, and it, it was December 26, 2007, when God healed me from those addictions, and I've been sober ever since. That is absolutely incredible. It's, I love hearing, I love hearing stories about strong women in in our lives. It's, uh, they they truly get us through some pretty tough times. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, because yeah, you know, people have told us when, when we tell our story. 
sometimes every now and then you'll have somebody uh, um, that will kind of smirk and say, oh, she allowed you to walk up over her. And I'm like, no, no, that's not actually accurate. She allowed me to experience God's pure love through her. Big difference. Because <clears throat> I would not be alive today if she didn't stand strong when I was weak. Without her, absolutely, absolutely. That's that's her. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that what what you just said about about people, you know, looking at it in a different perspective. I didn't think about that at all. I thought about how you were going through a tough time and you had somebody in your life, you know, not just somebody, your wife in your life who who stood by you and helped you through that time. And that's 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 a, that also is a true blessing. And, that, and you know. And, you know, talking about family, um, we are a family affair show. We have a third co-host, that, uh, our yeah, little eight-year-old no. boy. We let our mm-hmm. eight-year-old come on each episode, ask one question, so so Sandy's going to get him, him on real quick. <laughs> yes, I'll go get His it. name is Christopher. Christopher, so she's gonna, I'll and, 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 that. I like it. Yep, and we've got a 19-month-old little daughter that when she gets older, we'll be plugging her in the show too. <laughs> Congratulations! That is so cool. <laughs> By the way, you, 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 us three, well, us five, are forever connected because October fifth is my birthday. Oh wow! Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I've got Christopher here. What? He's ready with his question. Hi, now what's hey, your thing? Hey, Chris, how are you? Doing good. <laughs> right. So, so ask it, little Chris. Uh, hi, now what's your favorite food? My favorite food, mashed potatoes, hands down. I don't care if there's lumps. I don't care if they're creamy. There can be skin, no skin, whatever. Mashed potatoes are my favorite food. And what's yours, Lucas? Pizza. That's uh, pepperoni and sausage. (laughs) Meat lovers, I like it. All right, thanks. We're going to have to get together. We'll have some pizza and mashed potatoes. Oh, he'd love that. I'm good. <laughs> All right, bud. Nice to meet you, Mr. You know, a while ago you were talking about we're connected about the birthday. You know, yesterday when we was on the when we was on the call with um Scott Ham Olympian Scott Hamilton, yeah. I share his birthday of August twenty eighth. Oh nice. Yeah. That's really Same cool. But you know, you told me you told me you told me y'all had Scott Hamilton on yesterday, and I was like, oh, that's a good – I get to follow up on an Olympian. That's good. This is going to be a good time. <laughs> and, and you know what's crazy about my birthday is, is I've, you know, that I share a birthday with um, Cassidy Pope, with Shania oh, wow. Twain, and Leanne Rhymes. August 28th. So yeah. you guys are <laughs> – my mind, my mind immediately went to, what's nine months before August 28th? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. If it's a popular, if it's a popular birthday, that's great. Yes. So, so if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, who would it be, and what would you want to write about? Oh man, the first person that comes to mind is Garth Brooks, for oh, very wow. obvious reasons. I just when yeah. I grew up, he's the reason I, I love country music. I remember I was. I, mean, I actually do remember this. Maybe it's because my parents videotaped it, and I've seen the video so many times. But I had a black cowboy hat. I think it's the only time I've ever worn a cowboy hat in my entire life. But I remember watching a Garth Brooks concert on TV, wearing his cowboy hat, 
And just watching the amount of energy he had in his show, yeah. and he had like two, he had two acoustic guitars. He held one, and his other guitar player held one, and they smashed them together on stage. <laughs> and just the, the amount of energy that he had in his show really drew me in, just like it drew millions of other people in. And mm-hmm. I love, I love how he has that energy in his show. Same thing with Keith Urban, by the way. But. Um, I, th- I would love to write a song with Garth Brooks, and I'd want it to be upbeat, fun, to mm. the point where we can go on stage, we can perform it, run around, <laughs> and have a great time, and smash a couple of guitars together on stage. That would be the ultimate dream. Go write a song. Oh, and that, that, would be, that would be awesome. So, um, now, <laughs> those, probably, now, now, now there's probably a thousand answers to this next question, but just think of the first thing that pops in your head. But what's a song that you've heard that you wish you wrote? Oh, my gosh. Um, the, literally, the first song that came to my head was Don't Take the Girl by Tim McGraw. Um, uh, great song. Uh, that's such a good song. Um, oh, my gosh. I mean, I'll, I'll rattle <laughs> off a bunch. Uh, uh, Beautiful Crazy by Luke Combs right now is just a massive, massive hit. And every time I play that at a lot of my gigs, and I, I wish mm-hmm. I wrote that song. Um, the Good Stuff by Kenny Chesney is a phenomenal oh, yeah. song. I wish I wrote that song. Um, I mean, I could, I could, I could keep going if you want to. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, yeah, that is awesome. So but those, um, are the fir- those are the first three that popped into my head. Yeah. So this past February made the five-year anniversary that we asked Kelsey Ballerini where she wanted to be in five years. And I always like to tell this story before I ask the artist that exact same question um, because the story means something. Um, Because the answer she gave us back five years ago was almost to the T of how she's living now. She knew where she was going. So knowing that, where do you want to be in five years? I want to, man, there's, there's a couple of different answers to that. Professionally, I want to be, I would love to be on a, a tour of some sort and, and performing my own show and being able to play arenas and have, by that point, I hope to have, you know, five, six different songs on the radio, um, written, a whole, written a whole bunch of songs and probably in five years, anywhere from two to three records out. And then personally, I just... I, I know this sounds cliche, but I truly mean it. I just want to be, I want to have a couple of kids with my wife, happy, healthy, live a comfortable life. And I don't need to, you know, I don't need to be living in some huge mansion. I just want, you know, us to be happy and living in a place where we yeah. want, want to be and, and, and blessed that way. So um, that's really honestly my answer. I would, I, I would love to be on a, on a big arena tour in five years. I think we can do it. And personally, I want to. I want to just be. I want to be comfortable and live in life and, and being content and happy. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> now, yeah. let's say that you look ten, fifteen years down the road, and you're a success on a big level. Whatever that looks like, you're a success. Now, if the person yeah. you are today could meet your future successful self, what would you want to tell or remind him? Always help other people and understand that wherever you are in life, you're. So, you know, in this. In this situation I'm a huge mega star never forget the people who got you there because it wasn't you. Mm. <laughs> it was, I mean it was you but it wasn't you it took it took a lot of people to make that happen I mean mm-hmm. stay humble and help people along the way and and try to guide people if they want to do the same thing 
help them with the knowledge that I have at that point and, and help others. And, you know, that's the perfect lead-in to my next question because let's say you had a friend of yours, and you heard him or her sing, and let's say that they had something special. There's definitely something there. They've, they've played maybe 40 or 50 shows, so they're still getting their feet wet on, on the performance side. Now, this would be pre-COVID advice, so keep that in mind. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but they've played 40, 50 shows, but they've gotten on stage. they got what every artist says, that stage bug where they look over the crowd. The crowd's roaring. They just know they're in the right place. And they come to you yeah. and they say, Matt, I know I'm supposed to do this with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person to help guide them the next couple of years? Uh, kind of exactly what we talked about in the beginning. If you know that's what you want to do with the rest of your life, dive all in. Also, if you, if you go and play some smaller shows after you play a big show, don't let that be a deterrent. You're going to play. Mm-hmm. Be happy whether or not you're playing in front of three people or 30,000 people. You have to do it because you love playing the music. And keep going, and I guarantee you, you're going to run into some snags and some, some times that aren't so fun. Like this time right now that we're having that bug, you're going to run into the, to, you know, a couple months period where you don't have that. Don't let that discourage you. Keep running and keep going. If it's really what you want to do with your life, do it. Don't let anybody tell you no. That is awesome. So You know, I'll never forget the advice that was given to us. I remember when we first launched a show – I reached out to a Nashville friend and says, what advice would you give to us as being hosts of this show? And I think this goes with not anybody creative. It could be for hosts, could be for artists, but really I think anybody in general. But I will never forget, he said, um, whatever you do, be and stay authentic. He says, you could tell every Bobby Bones joke. You could tell every Ty Bentley joke. And he said, you might even be good at it, and you might even create an audience, but the day will come. When authentic Chris comes out, and when that day comes, you will lose every bit of your audience because they were never attracted to authentic Chris. So if you start from the beginning being authentic, your show may grow slower, but you'll gain the right audience in the meantime. Couldn't agree more. I think people, I think people can see through when you're trying to be somebody you're not. I, I, I believe that in pretty much anything you're doing, whether mm. you're on stage or doing, or doing a talk show or whatever, if yeah. you're trying to be someone you're not, people are smart enough to see through that stuff. And can you, can you fake people out for a little while? Sure. But eventually, I completely agree. Eventually, people are going to see through that and then just move on to the next thing. But if you're yourself, I also think it makes it a heck of a lot easier. You're yourself yeah, and you're, you don't have to work at, work at some sort of a persona. You're just being yourself, and if people gravitate towards that and you build something around who you really are, you got you have fans for life. You know, that, that's like I, I remember um, one of the interviews, we interviewed a guy named Jeff Coffey, and I remember after the interview was over, I guess a couple of days later, I, I went to his Facebook page just because I knew he shared the interview, and I was reading through some of the comments, and I remember one comment that said, Loved the interview, but the host was Wendy, and I was and I asked I had to ask Sandy, um, what the heck does Wendy mean? So she she had to tell me and uh, you know about being long winded, and I was oh yeah. okay I'm okay with that because long winded is my personality. That's who I am. That's my authentic <laughs> self. You know so because you know I never wanted to. I never wanted our show to be one of them. Well, ask question, you answer. I ask question, you answer. I no, I wanted to be a conversation. 
Yeah, cause it, it creates a banter back and forth versus just asking questions. I think it's awesome. By the way, I don't think you're long-winded at all. This has been awesome. <laughs> well, I've gotten a little better. Back then, if you yes, if you go yes. back to my first few months shows, uh, <laughs> I've had some – I've had 90-minute shows on some. I mean, we, 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 yeah. we did um, – well, we had Jenny Gill on, um, and we went ninety minutes with her. We had Carlene Carter on, and we went ninety. Yeah, now, granted, they talked. They talked a lot too. But if you go back to my yeah. beginning shows, believe me, um, I did talk a little bit too. Now she might have been right to a degree, but I think that well, some, sometimes I think fans can forget what this show is about or what these type of shows are about. The goal is to get out of the artist. What's in them? If all you yeah. do is ask questions, you don't get you don't get the deepness. But if if I can tell a story that connects with the artist, then it will connect with something else in them, and then it will bring a new story out of them that would have never been out. Absolutely, no, I completely agree with that. I think I think that's a. I, okay, I'll say this. I know for a fact when I listen to an interview. And I'm listening to an interview with, you know, Tim McGraw or Keith Urban or Brett Eldridge or whoever, hearing the personal stories, and you can, it goes back to what I was saying about you can tell when it's authentic. You can tell when something sparks in somebody and they haven't really talked about that in any other interview. And that is the coolest thing, I think, that I've seen in, in any interview I've ever watched is when the interviewer tells, says something and it sparks something in the interviewee that, that, they've never talked about before. It's really neat. Yeah. <clears throat> so we've got a couple more questions, and then we'll let you get out of here. Um, as you're chasing this crazy music dream, and, and you got to admit, it is crazy. We know it because we're doing the same thing. We're chasing this crazy podcast and host dream too because we want to be the Bobby yeah. Bones and the Ty Bentley too, just like you all do. Um, but yeah. as you're chasing this, there are probably people that are, ch- that are right along your side that are chasing this crazy dream too. So tell us one or two people that other people should know, other artists. Jordan Anderson. Yeah. Jordan Anderson is um, – She's a part of a duo called Aberdeen. They are fantastic. Mm-hmm. A B E R D E E N. Anyway, Aberdeen, oh, wow. please go check them out. Mr. Mike Bay, he's um he's more of an indie rock guy. He's one of my really good buddies. I actually wrote one of my songs called The Race with him. Um I absolutely th- those two are great. Check out Mike Bay. Mike Bay spelled the normal way and then Aberdeen. Um both phenomenal phenomenal artists and and a and a duo as well. Love that. So uh, as we come to a yeah, close, I always like to, yeah. As we come to a close, I always like to end with the exact same question I do with everybody, or for at least most shows. Um, what is a question that you wish hosts like us would ask, but they kind of never do? Oh gosh, I oh my gosh, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I've never even thought about that. Because <clears throat> it's like, what would you want to be asked that nobody asks? I'm really sorry. I don't know. I'm kind of drawing a blank. That's, I've never really well, thought about that. Well, that's good. You know, you you know, it's good that you've pretty much been asked what you would like to be asked anyway. So that part is good. So, if you want to, you know, tell everybody how they can reach you. That would be awesome. Yeah, um, I'll I'll do that. But let me let me do this because I think that's a really good question that I don't have an answer mm-hmm. to. So what I'm gonna do, let me think about it, and I will I'll get you guys an answer to that question. But yeah. I wish I had an answer. 
But anyway, um, you can reach me on every single every single social media platform. Matt Kerner Music, M A T T. My last name is K O E R N E R Music. Matt Kerner Music. MattKernerMusic.com, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can you can find me if you type Matt Kerner Music in anywhere. I love that. You know, and you know what? We really had a great time having you on the show. We enjoyed having you here, and we definitely look forward to having you back down the road. Thank you guys so very much for allowing me to come on the show, and I hope we can do it again. That would be awesome. All right. Sounds awesome. great. You have a, you have a great day. All righty. You guys, too. Y'all take care. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Uh, bye, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs>